It's time to put on those oven mitts because it's time to bring the heat with Christian Brown. And hey everyone, welcome back to Bringing the Heat. I'm your host, Christian Rao, and we are back for episode three, and we are here for the defending, the reigning American League champions, the Tampa Bay Rays, and we have Evan Lynch with us today. Evan is the head of writing and editing. He is the voice and the co-founder of the Rays the Roof Network. Love the name, by the way, Rays the Roof, and you can find them at, at Twitter at RaysTheRoofTV. Evan, you could find him at Evan Lynch three zero. Hey, Evan, how you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you so much, Christian, for having me on this podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. So the pleasure is all mine to have you guys on. To have you know you as a as a member of the Raise the Roof. Not only is your logo awesome, your podcast, your content is fantastic. If you guys haven't listened to them or give them a follow, please do. You guys just hit a, a milestone the other day, hitting over 750 followers. Congratulations. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys grow and grow even more, especially as the season comes. So talk about this season, you know, moving from the defending AL champions, we go from a 60-game season, hopefully to a season of 162, and we have a lot to talk about with the Tampa Bay Rays, but it would not do any justice for us to not talk about what happened last season. The Tampa Bay Rays were absolutely It was a season to never forget, definitely a season to remember. Uh, I'd love to hear your input. On that. Yeah, I mean, that was probably I one of the funnest, if that, I don't even know if funnest is a word, but most fun seasons I've ever had following a sporting team. And I mean, even though it was a 60 game season, it still it felt like it was 162 games with how well and just how good we were. I mean, to dominate the Yankees like that was I mean, it was, it was awesome, especially given how like kind of intense that rivalry has gotten throughout the last couple of years. It was, it was awesome to do that in the regular season, beat them at Yankee stadium, which we haven't done well in the last couple, like decade, I guess. And then beat them in the playoffs and then beat the Astros who seemingly almost everybody hates, which was awesome. Um, and then to give the Dodgers a good fight in the world series, we didn't go down. We didn't go down. We didn't get smoked in the world series. We made that interesting. And that's really all you can ask for. And it was really fun to be a part of it. It was really fun to be talking about it on the podcast, which we started, I believe, in July or August. Um, it was it was just a lot of fun, and I, I hope we do it again this season. Well, obviously, that is the hopes to become back-to-back AL champions. But, you know, one thing I have to say, you are probably totally sick of me or anybody asking this question, but your season did end with some kind of skepticism and that, like a lot of people gave, you know, the criticism to Kevin Cash. I think about the Blake Snell decision in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen these jokes all the time, and they're, they're really, I mean, they are funny. Like, I'm, it's not any like hard, I guess, feelings against them. But I mean, at the time when he did that, I was like, you know what? He does this all the time. Any Rays fan knows how Kevin Cash handles his pitchers. And to see Snell get taken out before 80 pitchers, I think, I wasn't surprised at all. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Like, I do believe that he had that game. But he, but Cash does this all the time. And 95% of the time, it works out. So at the time, I was like, you know what? I'll tr- I've trusted him the whole season. He's got us to where we are today. 
And it just didn't work out that time. It's it, it was rough that it happened in the biggest spot of the season so far. Scenarios that happened in the World Series, uh, not sure if it's what actually caused it, but Blake Snell out the door. He is obviously on the San Diego Padres. You guys say fair due to Charlie Morton. And you bring back some familiar faces to the rotation. Chris Archer, who was once a Tampa Bay Ray, who went to the Pirates for some very nice assets that you guys still have on your team. And now you get Archer back. Very impressive move. Very impressive chess move, if I might add. And then obviously Glass now in Yarborough uh, to start off your rotation. I would love to hear your thoughts on this rotation. It, there's no way it can be as good as last year, right? Losing someone like Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. But is it enough to continue to compete? Yeah, I, it's definitely not what it was last year. I mean, Snell, he, I mean, he was really, really good in the playoffs. Morton is just that clutch, mature, just veteran character in the clubhouse that every team needs. Um, it sucks to lose those guys, but I like the rotation that we have now. I mean, it's not as good, I don't think, but it has as much a t- potential as our previous rotation had. And like Glass now is still a stud. He's going to be really good. Uh, then it's just a lot of question marks. It's a lot of, like Waka. He's coming off injury. He's older. Rich Hill. He's older. Same thing. Kind of same kind of thing. Um, Yarbrough. He's still good. I mean, Yarbrough. No one really talks about him. He's still a solid. He eats up innings. He goes deep into games. And then, I mean, McHugh. McHugh is also a very solid pitcher. So it's not as like star powered as it used as it was last year. But I still think it's a very solid rotation and. I don't. I, I think it, our offense is going to have to step up to get back to where we were last year, but I think our rotation can help us get there too. Well, the offense has really not made much changes, and really neither has that bullpen. And that bullpen was something to keep um, to keep people on their toes last season. Probably the most dangerous bullpen in all of baseball last season. I don't really see that changing too much. I see that being still a by someone as Diego Castillo, Pete Fairbanks, obviously the scary Chaz Rowe and Nick Anderson. They are some very good players in that bullpen. Your thoughts about how that bullpen can continue to help support the offense, keep close, and, uh, and close them out when needed? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think they'll continue to do that. That three that you mentioned, Diego Castillo, Peter Fairbanks, and Nick Anderson, who is arguably one of the best relievers in the game. Um, that's a that's as good as a trio as anybody has in the, in the whole league. So, I mean, I'll take those three guys any day. We, Like I said, we don't have the star power that we had last year, but we have a ton of solid arms that we that aren't the mo- most household names, but they still get the job done and they get outs. And I have a lot of – people forget about how good this bullpen is. And we didn't really lose anybody. Other than Slaggers, we didn't really lose anybody. So, I like – I'm very confident in our bullpen and – our ability to kind of shut games out. We just got to score runs. The nod for the ace after Snell's gone will probably go to Tyler Glass now. Mm-hmm. That guy is not only – you have big shoes to fill himself. I mean, he's 6'8", but he'll have to – uh, <laughs> your thoughts on Glass now being that ace, can he be – is he able to be able to fill the shoes of a former Cy Young in Blake Snell? I definitely, I definitely do think he can. Um, I don't think he's shown what he's capable of doing yet, and he's still been really, really good. And that says a lot to how good he is. I mean, like you said, he's 6'8". He's the tallest MLB player, I think, in the league. Um, he's got a sick fastball. 
he's got a sick curveball. I mean, he pretty much only throws those two pitches, and he gets hitters out. He makes hitters look like fools all the time. And I don't know. I think it might have to take a little bit of time for him to kind of get into that role of being the ace and being the number one guy that Cash is going to go to to get a win. But I think ultimately he's gonna he's gonna rise up to the, to the occasion and get the job done. And obviously, I have to bring him up, or I just wouldn't be doing myself any justice. He's at Old Dominion University. I'm a fan of Ryan Yarborough. Um, I always pay attention to him. Um, arguably the best pitcher out of ODU, with the exception of you know Justin Verlander, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But both of them are great pitchers. Yarborough has had a great season. Uh, he had a great season last year. Um, your expectations of him will it continue that way. I'm sure we'll see a lot of innings from this guy. Yeah, I mean that's what he does. He he he's a, he's a very efficient pitcher. He's like one of the, he's one of the only pitchers that. Granted, our three last year were really good, but Yarborough was the most dependent on how to like getting far into games. He was the best at getting into the seventh inning, getting into the eighth inning consistently. And he didn't have the great greatest win loss record um, last year. He had a three five six ERA, which is still pretty good. Um, but he he's just efficient. He gets guys. He's not a strikeout pitcher. He he's kind of he's just a crafty pitcher, and he gets guys out on the ground ball, on the weak ground ball, on a weak pop up, and he gets out. He gets outs in short amount of pitches. And I don't know. I think he's going to continue that. I think he I think he's one of the more underrated pitchers in the league. And I'm excited to see how he kind of builds on his game this year. I'm here with Evan Lynch here on episode three of Bringing the Heat podcast. Evan is the co-founder and the voice of Raised Network. Raised the Roof Network is the future of race fandom. It does live here at Raised the Roof Network. Evan, I got to know before I get your expectations of 2021, for 2020, what was your biggest surprise and then what was the biggest disappointment for you as the team of the Tampa Bay Rays? So biggest surprise, um, I don't know. I guess just that we made it to the World Series. Like, I knew we were going to be good. I knew we had a legit shot to win the AL East. But um, I guess just to see us in, see Joe Buck calling a game for us in October, it was, just, it was something that it just kind of felt like a dream. Even though we lost, it was still an awesome experience to be a part of. And I, I think that was that was it. It kind of just felt like a dream, and I was glad to be a part of it. And my biggest disappointment, I guess, was one, I guess, that we lost. But um, I guess in terms of a player, I think Meadows. Meadows just, uh, he had COVID at the beginning of the year. He wasn't in his best health shape. But in 2019, he was an all-star. He batted 291. And then last year, granted, it was a shortened season. He batted 205. So... I'm looking to. I'm looking forward to see what he can do. He did have a home run today, a two-run home run in our first spring training game, so that's a good sign. But I am looking forward to see what how he kind of rebounds from that down year last year and return to his all-star all-star for, like performance. Obviously, we know what happened in 2020 with the Tampa Bay Rays making it all the way to the World Series. Dodgers uh, with that you know, star-studded cast of Los Angeles bringing in guys like Mookie Betts. You know. But with that being said, we are seeing a 2021 re-energized Tampa Bay Rays. Your expectation to 2021, do we see a repeat? Did they make it back to the dance? Your thoughts? I think we, make, we definitely make the playoffs. Um, I'm still confident in this team. 
I, I trust the front office. The the trades, yeah, weren't the most fan-friendly trades, but I liked the haul we got back. I really like Patino in that trade for Snell. Um, I don't know. I still like this team. I think I think we make the playoffs. I don't think we win the division again with how kind of the Yankees – the Yankees are just the Yankees. They're really good anyways. Then the Blue Jays have gotten much better. Um, but I think we make the playoffs, and I, I don't think we make it back to the big dance, but I think – we we make it past the wild card game, but then maybe go to game five in the divisional series. That's a fair. I like that. That's a that's pretty transparent, pretty straightforward. I like that that detailed expectation. Um, okay, so Thank let you. me ask. Yeah, so let me ask you this. Um, according to DraftKings Nation, the DraftKings Sportsbook, the 2021 MLB win totals have the Tampa Bay Rays at 85 and a half games. That is East. That's one game behind the Toronto Blue Jays and a entire 10 games behind the New York Yankees that would not that would put them about a game to two games out of the wild card that would make them not a playoff team if everything fell into place according to DraftKings Sportsbook. I got to know is 85 and a half too high or too low and why is that? I would say too low. Um and I'm not surprised. I feel like this happens All right, too almost. low. So why do you think it's too low? I feel like it happens every offseason. Other than all, last offseason, the Rays always have low expectations. So, especially with the offseason that we've had and how many star players we've lost, we still have a really solid team. And I, I just think that 85 is too low. I think, especially since we've won 90 games three years in a row. So, I think that that's very... I think that that's just not... I think that's way too conservative and... I think we're, we should hit at least 90, maybe even 92, 93. All right. So there you go. You have it right there. 92, 93 wins. You know, bet the over. Gordon Evan Lynch here. Uh, if you got DraftKings Sportsbook, you know, definitely make that happen. Evan, one more question before I let you go um, and, and give you the mic to let everybody know what you got going on. I have one prediction for the Tampa Bay Rays for the upcoming season. Bold prediction. I mean, to con- to contradict what I just said, bold prediction is that we win the AL East again, um, which I obviously hope we do. Uh, but I mean, that's I think a pretty bold prediction. I don't think most people think we're going to go back to where we were last October, and I'm looking forward to seeing if we can do it. And I'm sh- hoping really hard that we do. High expectations here from Evan Lynch at the Raise Up, the Raise the Roof. Network, the podcast you can find him on at Raise the Roof TV, and you can find Evan on Twitter at Evan Lynch three zero. Evan, I gotta know what's going on with you this, you know, the last next couple of days. Obviously, the season's starting up. Where can we find you, and what do? You- so I think we got a we we have a new guest. I think we have a podcast coming up for uh, Raise the Roof coming up on probably Wednesday or Thursday. Um, we'll record it, and then we'll get it out in a couple of days. Um. But yeah, people can find me on Twitter at Evan Lynch thirty, um, and then on Instagram at Evan Lynch four. If you guys want to give me a follow, that'd be awesome. Follow Raise the Roof too. Um, we put out really good content. We just started a website. Uh, the first articles actually are going up later tonight slash tomorrow morning. So, and I'm the head of that. So, if you have any questions, I will also give you my email. You can also email me at elynch eight at yahoo.com. So. If you need to, if you want to join the team or anything, let me know. We can maybe accommodate you. Fantastic. Hey, Evan, thank you so much for joining this podcast. 
Love to have you on again. And make sure you guys follow these guys, Raise the Roof Network. Uh, they're a great one. You know, Give these guys a follow. Give them their support. But, Evan, thanks a lot, and I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you so much, Christian. I had a blast. Here, a very special guest today, Kevin Weiss. Kevin Weiss is the host of the Lockdown Race podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Kevin Weiss underscore, and you can find his podcast at Lockdown Race. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Doing well, Christian. Just excited for baseball season to get up and running, and hopefully we don't have any major COVID interruptions or anything else, and we're able to get a full 162 in with spring training and everything like that as well, hopefully uh, getting back to some normalcy here. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? And just hearing the words 162 gets me excited, gives me chills on the arms without question. Uh, you know, after having a season that we had last year, only 60 games, you know, being able to basically triple that and get to 162 sounds absolutely incredible. Obviously, we don't want any of that COVID stuff to happen. Uh, but just, you know, these last few days to see in spring training has just been absolutely incredible. I've been glued to my TV since Sunday. Uh, I actually got to watch uh, the Cardinals and Nationals game. That was the one that I really paid attention to as soon as I got home from work on Sunday. Got to see Nolan Arenado's first at-bat as a Cardinal. It did end up being a strikeout, but I did see some very cool, exciting things from these Tampa Bay Rays in spring training on Sunday. That's something to be excited about. Uh, What's your thoughts so far about spring training before we get started? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, there's already been a ton of interest in this team, especially after what they did last season. And uh, they had capped attendance for spring training games at Charlotte Sports Park to, I think, around between 1,000, 1,500. Uh, And for every spring training game, I think all 13, 14, whatever it is, every single ticket sold out within five minutes of the announcement being made. So there's definitely excitement being around. Now, of course, it's if the full allotment of tickets were allowed. Who knows if that would happen, but it's good to see that people are out and interested in, in going to the games and, and getting back, getting back into baseball, getting back into, you know, wear your mask, hand sanitizer, everything like that. But um, I think people, even with all the changes that the Rays have made, and they've made quite a few changes between October and now going into March, um, there's still a lot of excitement for this team for sure. Oh, without question, and I'm sure it doesn't hurt being a Tampa Bay fan uh, with you know the uh, the Super Bowl winners as well. I'm sure that brings some nice expectation um, and nice excitement to being you know the Rays as well. It's a good time to be a Tampa Bay fan. I'm sure that's the case for a lot of these fans down in South Florida. Uh, but I'd love to talk about this offense here, and you did talk about a lot of the changes that happened between you know October and now. A lot of that stuff hasn't really happened on the offensive side. A lot of that has been kind of stayed consistent. I know we have maybe some changes possibly coming up within the rankings, within the minor league system. I'd love to hear your take on that, but we can't we can't start anywhere else other than, you know, the guy, the man of the hour of October for Tampa Bay, and that was Randy Rosarena. Obviously, how amazing was this guy in, in October in the playoffs? Uh, he had a great, you know, great postseason he is is he going to continue that is that we're only going to just a brief of from you know basically a david freeze style i I know i keep talking st louis cardinals here but that's really what a lot of people were worried about is secret postseason guy and then fall off or are we going to see a a rosa reina continue here for the tampa Bay rays 
Yeah, and I think we have to, first of all, acknowledge that, you know, he wasn't just a postseason hero, but really the moment he was called up for the race, he he hit and hit in a big way. And look, I don't think he's going to be able to replicate what he did between the end of the regular season and the postseason. I mean, those are just stupid numbers. Uh, I saw a statistic where, you know, he would have been on pace for like 81 home runs if he had kept up what he was doing. I mean, he was he broke records that had been held by Derek Jeter and Barry Bonds. Uh, and Babe Ruth and guys of that ilk. So what he did was absolutely special. I don't think it's just lightning in a bottle. I think he is a legit player with legit talent. I mean, you can see just in his approach at the plate and really all his skills. I mean, he's he's almost in a way a five tool player. He maybe needs a little bit more work defensively, especially on um, some routine plays and, and staying focused, whether he's in left field or right field. But uh, he's got he's got the the tool set to be, um, you know, maybe a perennial all star for this team. And and there's a lot of things if you go back and watch the highlights of this guy, what he was able to do with um, really. I mean, he had covid and had been dealing with I mean, he was basically constrained to um, his St. Petersburg apartment after he got the covid test between you know, between the the ramp up of spring training 2.0 and the regular season and everything like that. So he wasn't really able to go anywhere and get legit work. And he, he really, I mean, his routine was uh, eating chicken and rice and doing a bunch of push-ups, and it seemed to have worked out. And, and when he eventually did get to the alternate training site, he was, I mean, the coaches were wowed by him and they, they basically told the big league club, Hey, you can't sit on this guy anymore. You've got to give him a shot, call him up and, and let him do some work. And he showed that, I mean, the, the way he's able to, uh, there's, there's not a fastball he can't hit, uh, in any part of the zone and no matter the velocity it is. And he's got power to all fields. He, uh, he shows that he can adjust on breaking balls mid at bat mid pitch. I mean, what he's able to do because he is, he's such electric with the bat speed and his athleticism. It's really amazing to see. I think the big thing for him, of course, is, you know, you hope that he had a little bit of an off the field issue with a situation in Mexico that he has said is behind him, which is great. And I don't think there's going to be any charges from that, but not letting the success and the, uh, the hoopla get to his head, just coming in. And I, I, I can't answer that for him. I don't know if that's going to happen or whatnot, but not letting those, you know, two months or whatever, however long it was that he put up amazing numbers that he goes in, he went into the off season and continued to get work in because there's a lot of things surrounding Arasarina. I mean, there's a, a movie being made about him, a documentary being made about him, lots of autograph signings and memorabilia. Everybody wants to talk about this guy. He was, I mean, the, the, the figurehead of baseball in the playoffs for a little bit. So you hope he is, I mean, don't want to say put that past him, but in a way, new season, new challenges. I think you're going to see teams attack him in a different mold. I think you're going to see a lot more breaking balls uh, come his way and see if he's able to adjust to that and, and keep the strikeout numbers low. But there's definitely a lot of excitement about this guy. I mean, I, I think as I don't think it would be if he's able to stay healthy for 162 or a majority of 162, I, I don't think it's out of the question to expect, you know, 270, 280 batting average, 25 to 30 home runs, and same line of stolen bases, maybe 25. I mean, he's definitely, I think, a, a 25, 25, maybe a 30, 30 player at some point. 
I said, we're probably going to continue to be talking about this guy. It makes you wonder. You brought that up, how they said they need to call this guy up. If they never would have done that, it makes you wonder if we would be talking about the Rays being the defending American League champions. It really makes you wonder that if that decision wasn't made, uh, if we would still be in this situation. He really had a huge part. Uh, making them, you know, their way to the World Series. Obviously, this team is amazing as it is. He's not the only guy on the team. They are very deep. And while we're talking about Rosa Reina, let's just continue talking about this outfield. And it continues to be good. You got the, you know, the solid veteran of Kevin Kiermeyer still there. Um, you know, you have Manuel Margot, who is, you know, who came over from San Diego and has been very quick, you know, very quick, very great fielder for you guys. Um, and then obviously, you know, Brett Phillips, the amazing, the, the amazing play um, in the World Series that involved the Rosarina and Brett Phillips there. Who can forget that? And then, you know, we still have, you know, you have Yoshi and then you still have Austin Meadows, who is, you know, an outfielder and your DH. A very deep outfield. Who is your who's your three? Who's your starters that are going to hold off uh, in your outfield this season? Yeah, and, and that's a great question and point you made about Rosarina. There is absolutely no way the Rays get to where they got in the playoffs and to the World Series without what Randy was able to do. He definitely carried the team on his back for several games, if not several series, because there weren't many other guys in that Rays lineup that were contributing. There were a lot of guys that went through extended slumps and just weren't themselves, but he was the one guy in the lineup that you could rely upon, and it was – quite frankly, a shock that uh, teams continued to pitch to him and throw his way. I mean, I just put the four fingers up and, and let him take first every time. And then who knows, maybe again, he would steal second and third, something like that. But at what he was doing, you do not let a guy like that beat you, especially when the Rays, I mean, as far as their offense was in the playoffs and how many guys were were striking out at absurd rates, and which is a reason why they uh, among others that they didn't win the world series because the strikeout rates were just, um, no, no team is going to win the World Series where, you know, as many strikeouts as they had game in, game out. But, um, yeah, about the outfielders, um, it, it's really, I think, like the Rays do, it's going to depend a lot on lefty-righty matchups. I think, you know, your traditional starting three probably would be Randy Rosarina, Kevin Kiermeyer and Austin Meadows. But you could also see a situation where they decide to DH Meadows and put – Manny Margot in right field and Rosarina in left field. I think it's going to, I mean, the guys that are going to get the bulk of the playing time for sure are Randy, Kiermeyer, and Meadows. But, and, but I mean, the other thing too with that is, you know, Kiermeyer, I've yet to see him stay healthy for an entire season. I mean, he already comes into spring training with hip soreness and issues with tightness and flexibility. And he's now on the other side of 30. Um, so you wonder, I mean, is he going to be available for 120, 130, 140, how many games is he going to be able to play? So luckily the, the Rays, Christian, as you alluded to, they do have a lot of outfield depth. So they, they are more than comfortable sliding in Manny Margot into center field if need be, but it's definitely going to be something where I think they're, they're going to make sure they, especially as you're going from 60 to 162, they want to make sure guys aren't overworked and that they rotate in and out. And I think during the game, you could see a lot of rotations for sure, depending on the matchups and just giving guys a break. And, you know, you mentioned Brett Phillips. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much he, to, I mean, what he does, he is a solid defender for sure, but he's really at this point a last man on the bench type 
pinch hitter. You need a, a pinch runner. He he'll provide that for you. I, I don't really see how many. I don't see him getting a lot of at bats with the, the rest of that outfield there. And we also have to remember Josh Lowe. He is a a highly touted prospect that is also on the forty man roster. And Yoshi Suzuko. Um, this is a guy that the the Rays are hoping for. You know, coming over from Japan, he. It seems like he's going to have more of a normal year than what happened last year with all the craziness that was, especially as you're coming over from another country and trying to get adjusted and then COVID hits the entire world and, and especially the U.S., um, hoping for a stronger season from him. So you're going to see him likely maybe a little bit at third, maybe a little bit at first, but also corner outfield, left field, you could see him a little bit too. So there's going to be a lot of spelling through throughout the season. But I mean, as far as guys, if, if you were to put a number on who gets the most Innings in the outfield, man, that that's a tough one again because Manny Margot is is such a good defender too, and and he hit well. I mean, he was he was solid coming over in that trade from San Diego last year. So, um, but you know, you're, you're going to see a lot of Randy, of course, Kiermaier, Margot, and, and Meadows. I think those are going to be the they're going to find a way to work all those guys in one way or the other. If maybe it's DH and a guy on a night, so be it. Maybe you know, Randy's probably going to get DH opportunities as well if. Uh, if it comes to, you know, maybe they, they feel more comfortable putting Margot in a corner outfield spot to, to take advantage of defense and whatnot. So um, it, it's really one of those good problems to have to try to figure out. And let's remember, I mean, it's going going from 60 to 162. All these guys aren't going to be able to stay healthy. Guys are going to go down with with various uh, nicks and bruises and things like that. And, and um, that's where, you know, the depth certainly comes in with this team, which really could be an advantage. You know, they, the, the Rays aren't traditionally a team that, you know, they're, they're top five players. You, you don't really put them up against the top five players of the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers or the, the Braves or other teams like that. But when you get down to, okay, who's the, 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 the 15th to 20th to 25th man on the roster, that's where they, they make the difference. That's where they make up the margin because they are good literally from, I mean, not just one to 26, but one to 35, maybe one to 40, maybe every man on this 40 man roster could, could really be a, a solid contributor for this team. And I think that's kind of what their modus operandi is for, I mean, really this season, as I think we could see a lot of things come up with maybe COVID and then just the, the body shock of going from 60 to 162. Um, I think the Rays are definitely trying to get ahead of that um, by mixing and matching as much as they can and giving guys rest as need be. Well, one thing that Kevin Cash is really good at is mixing and matching. Uh, that guy is a genius. I don't care what anybody says about the whole thing that happened in the World Series with Snell. I mean, there's a reason that they made the World Series, and if you don't give any of that, some of that credit, at least some of that credit to Kevin Cash, uh, you're not doing him any justice, in my opinion there. Um, and he's that one of those guys that obviously knows how to play his cards and he has a pretty loaded deck, especially when it comes to offense. He brought up Yogi, might be playing in the outfield, and also maybe the hot corner as well. Perfect segue to bring in talking about that infield. And that infield is just as deep. Obviously, you know, at the hot corner, we could see someone like Yoshi, maybe Wendell, or even a Yandy Diaz sitting at third base. Um, and obviously G-Man Choi or Brasso probably holding up at first. You know, the good old, uh, you know, Hampton Road special, Brandon Lau. Uh, I, I'm, I, you know, obviously sitting at second base. Infield is another great core. The Evan Marshall in this AL East developed more cores in the infield, and this team is continuing to do that. Obviously, they have a little more depth than a couple of other teams, 
Um, and that, to me, that's another reason why um, they were the defending AL champions and they didn't have to make that many changes in the infield. And that's why they didn't or, you know, in offensive itself. So I'm really excited to see if this infield can continue to do what they're doing. Uh, OPS season. But, you know, your thoughts about this infield. And then also we have do have some, you know, some possibilities that, you know, other than I've just brought up, we have some big time prospects that might come up that have been sitting in the minors for a few years now waiting itching to get into this infield and i'm talking about someone like wander franco yeah a lot to unpack there first off i think with the infield is i mean outside of willie adamas um he's always going to be as long as he's on this team he's going to uh, he's going to be entrenched at shortstop but everyone else i mean they the the name of the game is versatility Everybody else that is listed on the infield for the Rays can play multiple positions in the infield. Like Mike Brasso, for example, um, he's going to play some third. He's probably going to play some first. They have him working at shortstop. Brandon Lau, traditionally a second baseman. They have him working at third base. He's also seen action at first base, including the outfield. Yandy Diaz, first and third guy. G-Man Choi, okay, he's mainly going to be a first base guy. I think he is only going to be a first base guy. So that's the that, that's the two, I guess, Choi and Adamas that that absolutely have a, I guess, set position. Joey Wendell, again, extremely, extremely versatile. I mean, go mm-hmm. he he is doesn't get enough credit for what he does. One of the more underrated players, I think, uh, on this team, if not in baseball, with what he brings to the table with his hustle and his, his energy and, and just he is consistent and does the right thing, just a solid player. He's not going to wow you necessarily with his stats and things like that, but um, if you had 25 or 26 or 28 Joey Wendells on your team, you would definitely be happy. He's a guy that third base, second base, shortstop. If you need to play him in left field, he could do that as well. Um, so that that's going to be a lot of fun there to see how they kind of move guys around continuously and, and rotate with that. As far as the prospects go, of course, Wander Franco has been getting talked about ever since he was uh, given a, a $3 million signing bonus by the race. I still think it's premature to expect him to make this opening day roster. I just really, again, it only being a 26 man roster, I don't see how they find a spot for him. Um, for one, I think that Taylor Walls, uh, who's also on the 40 man, maybe a little bit more polished defensively. And that's what the Rays, their calling card for sure is, is pitching in defense. And as much as you'd like to have an electric uh, player like Wander Franco into the fold, it's let's remember he's 19, just going on 20 um, and hasn't had a lot of pro baseball action. I mean, he, he hasn't played above a ball. He hasn't had a thousand or 1500 at bats. So I think they want to send him down probably starting at double a to get more seasoning to experience failure to uh, there's also the, the service time question again so i i absolutely do not see him coming up really i unless there's a rash of injuries or something like that i i really wouldn't expect him to come up before june july august sometime around that time frame even with that the rays typically they they like to take their time with their guys and they certainly don't want to rush a guy like Franco either, a, a guy that they want to try to, I don't want to say manipulate his service time, but get everything that they can out of him. And also, you know, sometimes you call up a guy, he hot shot prospect, never experienced failure. He experiences failure at the big league level, doesn't know how to adjust or handle that, and it can screw up a kid. So I think that the, the Rays are very uh, wary and um, they're very observant 
of that. I mean, as far as a skill set, I don't think he has a, a weakness in his game per se. And he's also a guy too. I mean, if he was to get called up, um, they, they wouldn't necessarily have to put him at short. I mean, he could also play third base or second base. In fact, if you look at his build, he might be a guy by the time he's 23, 24, 25, he might grow out of the shortstop position because he's already very solidly, thickly built in a, a 5'10", 5'11 frame. So he might grow out of the, the shortstop position. Who knows? I, I can't answer that as of yet, but he could be a candidate for that. So that's something to watch out. Now, there had been, of course, Willie Adamas rumors throughout the offseason, most notably with the Cincinnati Reds. And it was it was sort of one of those things like, well, are they going to trade Adamas so they can make room for Wander? Um, and that, that's definitely something to think about and, and a possibility there. But I still think it might be a, a year too soon to really see, you know, Wander mania uh, take hold. But if if the Rays are lucky enough to get into the playoffs when when rosters expand in September and you have the taxi squad, um, I could maybe see the uh, see the Rays making a call up for him. I just, you know, if 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 he's your last guy to make the team, um, you you don't want a guy just like that sitting on the bench, not getting work, not getting action. You you want him to get reps, reps, reps. And how's he going to do that? I think in the minor leagues, I think that's the best place to be able to do that for him. So I still think it's it's a little bit early for Wander, but it's definitely going to be exciting when he gets the call up. But um, other than that, I mean, they the, the Rays are certainly deep throughout the infield and, and a lot of a lot of possibilities another guy on the 40 man kevin padlow he could be an option if if say a, a corner infield type goes down so and vidal brujan too that's another guy that that's been talked a, a lot about as one of the the hot shot prospects as well just i mean loaded i mean maybe uh one of the the fastest three five players in in, in all of the minor leagues so he he is an electric guy as well that could be relied upon and maybe a little bit slightly further in his development than Wander Franco. So that could be a thing where, you know, if the Rays did see an Adamas or a Lau go down, then the next calls theoretically might be Taylor Walls and Vidal Brujan. But of course that, that all remains to be seen as of right now, but look, Wander will eventually get the call. Just, I think we just have to be patient with it. I, I would just put it that way. Nice. I'm here with Kevin Weiss here on episode three of Bringing the Heat. Uh, here we're talking about 30 teams in 30 days. We're talking about the Tampa Bay Rays. You can find Kevin Weiss on Twitter at Kevin Weiss underscore. He is the host of the Locked on Rays podcast. Find that at Locked on Rays. Kevin, a couple things first here to bring up this that conversation just had. One, with all those prospects you're bringing up, it's such a good problem to have. There's no question about that. Two, love the the Wanda uh, Wander Mania, by the way, you better hashtag that, put that on a T-shirt because that is legit. And you know, three, uh, you know, just if you, I agree with you one hundred percent, and I'll, I'll call it exactly what it is. I think that is um, it is kind of manipulating, but this uh, you know, manipulating his contract to service time. But all teams do it. I mean, that's part of the game. It's part of business. If he's like, just like you said, if he's going to be maybe the 26th guy on the team and you don't really have a spot for him right now, really a need for him to be an everyday player, why bring him up right away? Give him that opportunity to play in Durham. Give him that opportunity to play um, in the other minor league systems, wherever it needs to be. Um, I think that's the perfect case. And then just like you said, bring him up when the rosters expand so you don't mess with his service time. Uh, it's, but I'll tell you what. It's a great problem to have. It makes you wonder if they're going to maybe make some moves. Usually Tampa's not that kind of style to do that. But 
they're in a, a win now situation. They are in the abilities to be an AL, you know, back to back champions if need be. And that's where I slide over to ask you this question, Kevin. What are your expectations for 2021? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's really, I mean, it's tough to top what the Rays did last year, their, their best season in history. I mean, they were on pace to win 108 games, which of course, you know, if, if that season was extrapolated out to 162, I, I don't think there's any way the Rays would win 108 in that scenario. And that was a team too that dealt with, quite a few injuries, mainly on the pitching side. I mean, there was a point there where I think they had as many as 13 pitchers on the IL that were expected to be major contributors. So, um, you know, with kind of the elephants in the room here of, of Charlie Morton and Blake Snell no longer being on the team and in their place, the Rays kind of went to the bargain bin of signing veteran free agent pitchers, the likes of Chris Archer and Michael Waka and Colin McHugh to name a few. And of course, got Luis Patino among other prospects in that deal. And they're also expected to rely on some of those other prospecting names like Shane McClanahan and Brennan McKay and Blake Honeywell, all those guys that have been talked about um, for, for quite a while now. Um, it, it's still kind of, uh, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of potential, but there's also, it can also be risky. It could also backfire. I mean, you're, you're talking about, you, you, I didn't, I, I guess I forgot to mention this game, uh, this guy, Rich Hill, who's at, you know, 40, 41 years old, and he's been terrific in the big leagues for a, a very, very, very long time. But at what point is his arm going to give out? At what point is he not going to be a contributor anymore? So, um, and there's a reason that these guys signed for, you know, one and a half, two, three, four million dollars, whatever it may be. Um, there wasn't a lot of interest in those guys. Now, maybe the Rays know something that the 29 other pro franchises and in, in baseball don't know, but it's it could also be, well, let's just, we've got a budget and this is what we have allocated. This is what we can spend. Let's try to find the, the best three, four guys for, for this budget and, and, and take our wings with that. So, you know, as far as expectations, I, I think borderline playoff team, assuming playoffs don't get expanded to 16 teams again. I mean, if, if playoffs are expanded, uh, I mean, uh, even a 14, maybe 14 to 16, I, I would absolutely knock them into the playoffs. But as of right now, if we're going back to the old playoff format, um, there, it's going to be a battle. I think it's going to be a grind. I, I think there, there's definitely going to be challenges this season uh, for this team. But on the bright side, they definitely do have depth when other teams where other teams don't that that could help them out in a pinch. But um, you know, you, you just wonder where, you know, they, they had traded one of their better prospects, one of their more well-known prospects, catching prospect Ronaldo Hernandez recently to the Boston Red Sox interdivisional trade there uh, for a couple of pitchers that were DFA'd. And it's like, well, what are they really doing here? That, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but who knows, maybe those guys end up being contributors and maybe those guys where, you know, teams don't have anywhere else to turn for uh, a guy to give them four or five innings and it's the middle of the season and they're entirely battered. Maybe that's where the Rays can come in and, and maybe make a little bit of an edge, but I would say, you know, I, I think they're definitely going to be a, a, a winning ball club over 500, but I, I could see somewhere any anywhere in the range of, you know, 
87, 88 to, to 92 to 94 wins. I know that's kind of a wide gap there, but I, I definitely don't, I, I don't have them winning the division, but I could see them it's being a grind with the Blue Jays for second or third in that, in that divisional race there. Well, you kind of answered my question here, but I do want to make sure we're on the same page and get a you know a solid answer from you. You know, DraftKings Nation, the, the DraftKings Sportsbook here, does have the win-loss total for the Tampa Bay Rays at 85.5. It is one game behind Toronto, for, so it would be third place in the AL East. It would make them one game out of the AL wild card. So it didn't sound like you, you said that that was a too low of a number, 85.5. Are we right there? Yeah, I, I'd go a little bit higher. I'd go, you know, at least 87, 88. All right, sounds good. Hey, I got to know, Kevin, what is your biggest bold prediction for the Tampa Bay Rays this year? Biggest bold prediction. Okay, I'll, I'll give you one. Um, Ryan Yarbrough, who doesn't get talked about often on this team, and for, you know, there's other bigger names, of course, like Tyler Glass now, and, and of course, the stable of relievers that everybody likes to talk about as well. But my prediction is that Ryan Yarbrough leads this team in innings pitched this year. He has been wow. extremely consistent the last three years, and I know he's been used behind an opener. And he, he didn't win his arbitration case, which was kind of uh, surprising uh, a couple weeks ago. So I think he definitely has maybe a chip on his shoulder a little bit. Now, it also depends on Kevin Cash in the front office deciding when to pull this guy. But um, as we're going to – an era where I think you're seeing starters being used less often and guys being more bulk guys than anything. And, and the Rays sort of leading that trend and five and gone five and done. You, you get your five innings and you're done. Well, Ryan Yarbrough, he might be, he has been able to stay healthy and he has been really, I mean, the last three years he's finished second on the team in innings pitch. Now that Blake Snell and Charlie Morton are gone and Tyler Glass now has shown um, I mean, the most that Tyler Glass now has thrown in a season is 111 innings. Um, so that's where I go with, I think Ryan Yarbrough maybe gets 130, 140, 150, and that that could lead this team in innings pitch this year. All right. for Just for saying that, you're back and invited back on this podcast anytime you want. Ryan Yarbrough, you know, definitely have a nice place in my heart for him as a graduate myself from Old Dominion University. I am a huge Yarborough fan, so I am all about that bold prediction. I hope it's the case. Uh, but Kevin Weiss, everybody, the host of Locked on Rays. Kevin, what else you got going on for us? Anything you want to let the viewers know, the listeners know what you got going on here in the future? Yeah, well, uh, of course, it uh, being spring training, ramping up and everything like that. We are back to, uh, we were doing three days a week, but now we're back to daily with the, the start of the baseball season. And just to give our podcast a listen, uh, if you get a chance and want to learn about the Tampa Bay Rays, Locked on Rays, you can find it um, pretty much anywhere you, you get podcasts. And also check us out on Twitter uh, at Locked on Rays as well. And if you want to listen to that podcast, you can definitely check out that link below in the description of this podcast as well, and obviously where you can find Kevin and his podcast on Twitter. Hey, Kevin, thank you so much for joining the podcast today at Bringing the Heat, and I hope to have you on again soon. Likewise, anytime, Christian, and uh, hopefully we get to enjoy this full, complete 2021 baseball season together. Absolutely. Praying for 162. Take care, man. Thank you.
And that'll do it for this episode of Bringing the Heat Podcast. Thank you so much again to my guests. Uh, I cannot wait to continue this on as we continue the 30 teams in 30 days. Tomorrow we talk about the Boston Red Sox as we look to wind down and wrap up the AL East and move on to the next division. But until then, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you back here tomorrow. Take care.